This is Gridiron Graduates, a weekly podcast covering all things football. Episode number 44, Labor Intensive, recorded August 31st, 2016. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another fine episode of the Gridiron Graduates. Bill Garcetti, as always, hitting you guys back up, welcoming you, and glad to Glad to have you guys joining us as always, and as always, my co-partner Ian Wharton joining me. My brother, how you doing this week? I'm doing really well, man. Um, had a good week after uh, week three of preseason, so we got a little bit of a taste of what the regular season is going to look like. And obviously, we're uh, we're about to start the uh, the college football season, so I'm doing really well, man. The weather's starting to cool off just a tad down here in Houston, so that's definitely a uh, a big bonus uh, for folks that have been here know the uh, intense humidity that we deal with. So <laughs> things are good. Things are definitely good. Yeah, here in PA, it's uh, it's not as hot as it was either. So uh, definitely starting to feel like football weather a little bit. But yeah, it's, it's hard to believe it's the final week of the preseason. You know, we're, we got the game going on right now as we're recording. Because, of course, Tampa and Washington moved their game up to Wednesday because of all the potential rain that Tampa's supposed to get, even though it's pouring in Tampa now. But they're still getting the game underway. But after tomorrow, it's full speed ahead to week one. We're eight days at the time of this recording from watching Cam Newton go up against the stud himself, Trevor Simeon, in the season opener. Uh, but yeah, I think the first thing we have to talk about, definitely the big story, and just such an unfortunate news, Teddy Bridgewater, Minnesota Vikings quarterback, out for the season with a torn ACL and a dislocated left knee. It was a non-contact injury, and he went right down, and the players were clearly distraught, they Went to him immediately. Ambulances came, and they wound up just canceling the rest of practice. So, right from the get-go, we knew it was it was bad. And sure enough, his season's over before it began. And just terrible, terrible news. Because I'm a huge Teddy fan. You know, ever since the draft day slide, I've been rooting hard for the kid. So to hear this kind of news just really upsetting, really terrible. And obviously, the team is really distraught because, I mean, this was their leader. You know, and they're coming off a division title. Now they got to rely on Sean Hill to lead this team. You figure they're probably going to go after a quarterback as well because they did sign Brad Sorensen, but right now, you know, you've got uh, Sean Hill, you've got Brad Sorensen, you've got Joel Stave. So in all likelihood, they're probably going to try to go after a quarterback just to kind of plug up the hole a little bit, but boy, this this just sucks for, for not just Vikings fans, but for you know Teddy fans and just anyone really watching the league. Yeah, it's it's heartbreaking. Obviously, we're both big Teddy Bridgewater fans. Um, this was a team that we we talked about. This this was a potential Super Bowl contender. And certainly an NFC North contender. So, you know, this is, this is going to be tough because depending on obviously how the injury, how severe it is, how deep I guess it goes, exactly what happened. Um, we don't have a ton of clarity there still. If it's from what it sounds like from just general, uh, actual doctors that have kind of mentioned this, you know, depending on, on what it's like. There's a possibility he'll come back this time next year, be perfectly fine. There should be no type of, no sort of, uh, uh, decline necessarily. Like there should be no reason, um, outside of, you know, rust and, um, time factors as to why maybe he wouldn't get back to 100%. But, but as far as physically, a full recovery from what it sounds like should be expected. Obviously, we're going to find out more as time goes on. Um, but that's certainly encouraging, you know, even if he were to miss this year and 2017, 
Let's obviously hope that that's not the case. We don't expect that to be the case. But if it were the case, uh, he would only be 25 years old. So, you know, I know some people were saying, well, you know, this is a make or break year for him or this is the year he has to step up. It's not the case at all. It's not the case. Uh, if you heard Mike Zimmer talking about Teddy Bridgewater and his affinity for Teddy Bridgewater, this is a, this is an organization that's extremely, uh, committed to him. They're going to figure it out this year and then come around, you know, next year. If he's 100% or if he's even close to 100%, he's going to be their guy. So there's no reason to think any other, you know, and, and my take on Teddy is he doesn't do some things that show up in the, in the stat book all the time, but I think he's made the most out of a really hard situation without much around him besides Adrian Peterson. And yeah, Adrian Peterson's a heck of a back, backfield, uh, mate to continue to, uh, rely on, but still though, as a passer, there's not much there. And could he do better? Yeah, absolutely. He's not perfect, and uh, he's not elite. He hasn't taken that step yet. But I, I still like his future if he's going to be healthy. I'm just hoping for a full recovery for him and, and just a really sad day. A lot of people obviously really like Teddy Bridgewater. Seems like a great guy. Um, was a favorite of a lot of people through the draft process. Has played well. Better than the numbers, I think, would suggest to this point. So... Um, but he'll come back in 2017 as the starter, unless if there's some sort of uh, surprising development between now and then. And it sounds like uh, he avoided nerve damage in his knee, so that's great news. So it sounds like it's, as far as I know, it sounds like it's only, and you know, using the term only loosely, the ACL and the dislocation. Yeah. So... I mean, as bad as that is, it sounds like it could have been a lot worse. I think they're saying the fact that they were so quick to tend to him and get him to the hospital so fast really saved him and really prevented an even worse injury than what he had. Yeah. So uh, credit to the Vikings training staff and, you know, to all my Hazleton listeners, shout out to Eric Sugarman, the head trainer who's from the area. So, good job, Eric. Yeah, definitely. And, and it'll be interesting to see how they address this. It sounds like they are going to definitely add someone else um, to that that backfield. Um, as a quarterback, you mentioned they've got Sean Hill. Um, you mentioned they've got uh, Joel Stave. He's really bad. I'm surprised he's in the NFL. He was terrible at Wisconsin. Um, and Tyler, Tyler um, Heineke. I have so Taylor. Yeah, Taylor Heineke. Yeah. And he's another guy. I mean, Brad Sorensen. Yeah, and Brad Sorensen. So not an encouraging group. Um, Sean Hill is okay as a backup, but it's a huge drop-off from Teddy Bridgewater mm-hmm. to really anyone else that they can get. I mean, it's not realistic to expect um, them to get someone even close to that good. Um I think it would be interesting. It's not realistic, but it would be interesting if they could trade for Sam Bradford. I think that would actually make sense as far as on the field and kind of where each team wants to go um, in the inevitable future, but that's not going to happen. So um, it's more of a, a fantasy thing. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I think that this is going to be a situation where maybe they add a veteran like Mark Sanchez or even maybe a young guy um, like Geno Smith, they could get on the low. And But even if they do that, it's going to be a long-term thing. It's going to be weeks before that individual is able to come in to the, um, into the, the offense, be able to understand everything that's going on, um, and run a full version of the offense. Just, right. you know, you're learning something completely new. North Turner doesn't run. Easy things. He's he's not very, known as being very flexible. He's pretty rigid in his coaching style. So it may not be even realistic to think that someone's going to come in and start before the middle of the season. So um, just really unfortunate. I, I think this team struggles to get now to eight wins. I think they're probably a six or seven win team. It's just it's hard hard to win without a decent quarterback, let alone a good young one. And um, you know I think 
I know last week we talked about predictions. I think for the the, the North Division, I'm going to have to go with the Packers now um, as the division winner. Yeah, I'm with you there. I think I have to switch it now, too. Um, I know people were talking that, you know, the Vikings did all this last year, haven't thrown the fewest pass attempts. But that being said, Bridgewater at least gave them that bit of a threat at quarterback to throw it. Mm. Sean Hill, you're not really feeling that same threat. So it's going to put more pressure on Adrian Peterson. Now, I know he carried the load and led the Vikings to the playoffs a few years ago when they had Christian Ponder at quarterback. But, you know, he's obviously older now. He's got a little more tread on the tires. I don't know if... I don't know if I can sit here and say I'm 100% that he'll find that same kind of magic that he did in 2012, you know, when he rushed for almost 2,100 yards. So, yeah, I'm with you. I think i got to switch to uh, to the Packers winning the division. And it makes me feel a little better now about picking... Tampa Bay is my second wild card. It kind of opens up that spot a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But yeah, this this is just real tough for the Vikings because, yeah. you know, like you said, this they definitely were they definitely were a Super Bowl contender. They they very well would have competed in the NFC. Now it's oof, just brutal. I think for them now, a focus should be, I mean, obviously you're, you're trying to win this year. You're never not trying to win this year, but from a front office perspective, I think maybe now you're looking at this and saying, okay, let's do what we can this year, but let's focus on rebuilding, mm-hmm. um, continuing to rebuild, I should say, this offensive line, uh, which is still clearly, or maybe even add another running back. I don't think Adrian Peterson's going to be in Minnesota for long. I think that this is probably his last year there. Maybe they add like a Leonard Fournette or someone like that in next year's draft to succeed um, Adrian Peterson. So I think that's going to be the focus of that is now. How do we make sure that this environment is perfect for Teddy Bridgewater when he eventually returns? Mm-hmm. Uh, let's go ahead and talk about another quarterback that's certainly been making waves. And that's this whole Colin Kaepernick situation. And him sitting during the national anthem because he feels oppression toward black people, and he feels, you know, he's he's. It's just a, to me, it's a mess. You know, I I get where he's coming from, but I think there's definitely other ways that he can go about showing his stance than you know sitting during the national anthem. You know, you've even had, like, other black people or colored people, you know, try not to sound racist here, come out and said some things about the country or even the song itself. John Legend has come out and said the national anthem is weak, and yet he sings it the best, which, I mean, granted, he's obviously a great singer. There's no doubt about that. So, I mean, yeah, to me, what Kaepernick's doing is kind of silly, and I think it just is another chapter in what's become the really fast fall from grace for Kaepernick, because you're talking just three years ago, this guy's playing in a Super Bowl. Now he can't even beat up Blaine Gabbert for the starting job on a team that has a new head coach, who I people thought Kaepernick was a better fit for Chip Kelly anyway, but yeah, he's riding the bench behind Blaine Gabbert. Yeah, I mean, this has obviously been a hot storyline. And, um, you know, most people fall within three buckets, basically. Um, either you vehemently disagree with both how Kaepernick went about this message and the message itself. Um, I definitely don't agree with those folks. Um, I think that there is a clear and reasonable message that he was trying to make that, you know, the, the black community is not being represented uh, effectively, there's not the equality as far as opportunities, as far as um, racial profiling, um, police brutality, obviously all of these social issues um, that have come forth. I mean, you know, I think that obviously those are those are major issues. I mean, if, if one 
set of people in this country and the, and if the data kind of shows that that's true and we have all this proof and you know, we need to improve, you know, this is an amazing country and I don't think Kaepernick's goal was to come off as someone that didn't love this country. I think his goal was to say this country may be great, but we can make it better. And, you know, I, I do agree with him as far as that. Um, now there's other people that, you know, like yourself, Bill, you know, I certainly respect that where you didn't like exactly how he did it. Um, and you know, I, I respect that. Uh, everyone's going to feel a little bit different about, mm-hmm. um, how he did that for me, you know, honestly, my first thought and my first takeaway, I didn't really have any hot takes about this. I didn't share anything on Twitter about it because I mean, everyone has an opinion about everything. And sometimes I think it's okay to like, to not have like a really hot opinion on something. Um, I didn't really have a hot opinion on this except for like, I, I kind of stepped back and I said, you know, I think it's a shame if people downplay what he was saying. People tried to say that he was saying that he was oppressed. He wasn't saying that. Like he wasn't saying he himself was being oppressed. Um, and only him. Like that wasn't what he was saying. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if a white person had done this for the black community, I just wonder if the same outcry would have been there. Um, now as far as about how we went out about it, you know, my, Person, my, my impression was I'm glad that we live in a country where what he did is allowed and that we can debate this mm-hmm. because there are a lot of countries out there where you'll either be put in prison or you may be killed um, and you're not allowed to have that, that opinion or take that action. Um, you know, if you think it's disrespectful, if you think if you just hate what he did, you know, I, I respect that. I respect that, that stance. I don't think that there's anything wrong with that stance. Um, you know, I, I do think that as far as the issue itself, you know, I, I do think that that's an area where we need to improve as a country. Um, but Kaepernick kind of put himself up for a bad situation. You know, one, he deserves, I think, the respect of bearing this controversy. Like, this is huge now. This is what his legacy may ultimately become. He, on the field, has greatly decreased his production. He's been less effective um, since that magical Super Bowl run. And he's probably on the verge of being out of the NFL. And that's separate from this whole episode mm-hmm. where he didn't stay. Like, I think it's realistic to say that the 49ers could cut him before the preseason's over with simply as a salary cap move and also as someone who um, just isn't going to be on their long-term plans. So, you know, Blaine Gabbard's beating him out right now. And so he's not going to work out there. It's a matter of when, not if. And so they may choose to get it over with. Now, this won't help because some general managers are going to avoid any type of controversy. But now he's in an interesting situation where Unless if something major changes in this country, he's going and, you know, that kind of fulfills whatever it is he's looking for. He's going to have to sit every single week for the national anthem. Mm -hmm. And I think that this is, that's maybe an underrated part of this is that like, it would kind of look hypocritical for him to now in two weeks stand for the national anthem. Social change doesn't happen like that. It takes a long, it takes a long time, unfortunately. Mm And, um, you know, I, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of him as someone that supports free speech. Um, the right to do that is something that I think as a country we should be very proud of instead of hating someone for exercising that right. I think we should be, you know, maybe not fully support how he did it, but support the right to exercise that um, how he did it. So, um, we'll see. I mean, I, like I said, I think his career is probably on a sharp decline and, um, I, I do think that some of the, the commentary from certain parts of the country has been very unfortunate and it kind of illustrates what he was talking about with the post game press conference that he gave and, 
kind of expanding on why he did it. Um, you can't support a guy like Donald Trump for saying, and I mean, this has been going around, but and it's a great point. You can't support a guy like Donald Trump for saying, we need to make America great again, and then boo Colin Kaepernick for saying the same thing, like, we can make America greater. Right. Like, like it, it, there's a disconnect there. And so, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not like, like I said, I'm not a huge Colin Kaepernick fan. I'm not, I would have personally not addressed it the way that he addressed it. Um, that's just not what I would do, but that's just me. And so he chose to make a very difficult, I'm sure a very difficult decision. A lot of other players came out and said that they've thought about the same thing. Um, and that's not an easy thing to do. And, uh, he's going to be dealing with the repercussions through probably for the rest of his life. And, um, you know, I respect that. I respect that, the strength to do that. So, um, really that might be like the overarching storyline for the 49ers this year because they're just, they, they seem to be, seem to be as bad as we projected, uh, throughout these preseason games. So, um, I think that'll probably dominate a lot of their talk, especially if he stays on the roster. Yep. Yeah, and I mean, you brought up some good points, too, and, you know, I definitely agree with some of what you're saying, and I like how you said, you know, about how he does have the right. You know, you brought, you brought up some good points, and maybe I'm being a little too hasty on him, and, um, you know, trying not to get too political here, because this obviously isn't a political show, plus I hate pol- politics with a passion. To begin <laughs> oh, I'm with you. I'm with you. <laughs> but... I mean, you're right, you know, the fact that he is able to do this, you know, despite the taking as much backlash as he is, you know, it, it's his choice. You know, he, he's an adult. If he feels this is what he has to do, then so be it. And we can choose as people to agree or not agree with it. I, at first, wasn't too thrilled, but, you know, I can, like I said, I understand where he's coming from, what his stance is, and that's fine, you know, and, and like you said, you know, this, this is kind of the problem this country's run into. This is 2016, and we're still kind of having some of these problems as a society, as a country, you know, and personally, if you ask me, I think we're screwed no matter what happens in the presidential election, so that, that's just my call. You know, if, if you want my political opinion, there you go. I hate both candidates. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'd rather vote Gary Johnson, to be quite honest. I will be, personally. <laughs> I, I'm, I like Gary Johnson more than both of the main candidates as well. But, but yeah, I mean, that, I, I mean, that's, you're right, though. I mean, that's kind of where we're at right now. Um, and it's kind of like a micro, sports is usually a microcosm of society, and, and, uh, we're seeing that in this situation as well, so. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, obviously we're not we're not gonna gonna harp on this too long. A lot of you folks have been hearing this all week, um, but we did just kind of want to address it because it's obviously a huge storyline and not something that happens too often. And I'll bet you any money, a lot of our listeners just turned off the turned off the show, or at least they're <laughs> skipping ahead, which is fine. But um, you know, let's move on to actual sports talk, or at least get back to it. Sure, I know that's what you guys are actually listening to us for this isn't that this isn't msnbc or any of that nonsense (laughs) but uh yeah so not obviously not much going on in the nfl you know unless you're one of the back-end roster guys trying to fight for one of the final playoff spots that's really the whole gist of week four of the preseason but we have some meaningful games this week because the college football season is finally here. Now, technically, the college season started last week with the Cal-Hawaii game out in Sydney. But for all intents and purposes, uh, the, ske- the season starts tomorrow, which includes a couple of top 25 teams in action at home. Uh, number 19, Louisville. Is hosting Charlotte, and number nine Tennessee takes on Appalachian State, and so we're going to go through some of these top twenty-five matchups, kind of talk them about them a little bit. I got my Phil Steele book here, so I'm I'm ready to go. <laughs> but uh, boy, I tell you what, normally in a college football season, 
week one is very lackluster. But this week, this year's week one schedule is loaded. It really is. There's a lot of good teams in action and a lot of top teams playing each other. I mean, you look at you look at Saturday's schedule. You got a couple of top 15 teams going at it. Uh, your boys, Houston, number 15, essentially hosting number three Oklahoma. It is a neutral site game, but the game is in Houston. Um, so that's a big one. Oklahoma, of course, the playoff team last year. Houston coming off their win in the Fiesta Bowl. Or, no, I'm sorry, the Peach Bowl over uh, Florida State. So that'll be a fun game. Then you've got LSU, fifth in the nation. They'll be at Lambeau Field to take on Wisconsin. And then kind of the nightcap Saturday in Dallas, number one Alabama taking on number 20 USC. You've also got another top 25 matchup, 18th ranked Georgia against number 22 North Carolina. And then Monday night, number 11 Ole Miss takes on number four Florida State. Not to mention 10th ranked Notre Dame visits Texas. Number two Clemson is at Auburn. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. It's, it's an awesome, awesome weekend. Um, for college football lovers. And I mean, there's games every night that you're going to want to watch, um, even starting Thursday night. And um, Saturday's just bananas. There, lately, in the last couple of years, usually in the first three, four weeks, there's only maybe one or two games outside of your own rooting interests uh, that are like primetime games. Even the one to kick off the season has been lackluster. It's been the last couple of years. It's been North Carolina and South Carolina. And those have been really boring contests the last couple of years. So um, really excited for this weekend, um, Saturday from 12 Central or 12 Eastern to uh, all the way throughout the day. Like you mentioned, even a game Sunday night, game Monday night, there's going to be some thrilling matchups. And don't get too caught up in the rankings. Right now, there's going to be upsets early on. Uh, there's going to be teams that just don't really live up to the expectation early on. But, you know, the rankings do make it fun. They do help drive ratings and narratives. And that's why they have them. Uh, it keeps the sport relevant throughout the entire season. So, uh, But that Thursday night, I'm specifically looking at Appalachian State at number 9, Tennessee. I think Tennessee is greatly overrated. Um, this is always a team that says, hey, you know, we've got all this talent and, oh, recruiting classes and all this. And yeah, they, they do have quite a bit of talent, raw talent, I should say, as, as specific positions. But overall, they've been disappointing um, for a long, long time. And I think this will be another year where they, where they come up short. Um, I like some of their individual ta- players on both sides of the ball. Uh, even as they project to the NFL, but uh, I think that's a game Appalachian State. Watch out for them. They won 10 games last year. They could be a team that maybe, you know, we obviously know they beat Michigan, the big house, years ago. Uh, maybe it's not that much of an upset, maybe, but um, maybe they won't even upset them, but I do think that they'll make it an interesting game. Uh, that's really it for that Friday night, again, or that Thursday night, unless if you have a rooting interest. Um I do think Oregon State, Minnesota will be interesting. There are some players to watch in that as well for both sides, uh, specifically Oregon State wide receiver uh, Jordan Villeman, one of my favorite wide receivers in the country. So Thursday night looks good. There's a couple games there, like I said, Friday. Not much there. Um, Stanford and Kansas State is definitely the game to watch. How is Stanford going to look with a brand-new starting quarterback, Kevin Hogan? Now out of there, but uh, they've got McCaffrey in the backfield, and he is absolutely wonderful to watch. I, I love watching this kid play college football. Mm-hmm. He is excellent. I think he's going to be a good NFL player as well. I know some people are as high on him. Um, he's as close to Reggie Bush as what we've seen since Reggie Bush as far as a college player, and uh, we've got to appreciate him for that. But I do think that his production may go down a little bit this year, Uh even though Hogan wasn't dynamic, it's uh, it's one of those situations where he was consistently 
changing the play to the right play call. When he had to make a pass, he would call a pass. When he had to switch to a run, he would audible to a run. And it's those little things like counting defenders in the box, understanding the offensive line adjustments. Uh, that familiarity and that experience really does pay off. And when you've got a first-year starter, those are little things that can add up throughout the course of the season that can cost a guy even like as good as McCaffrey um, yards or touchdowns, um, just overall production. So watch for that. That's what I'm going to be looking for. Kansas State defense last year was awful. Uh, so it'll be really interesting to see if they continue to be awful or um, exactly what will be um, the case there. Said so Saturday, like you said, I mean, you pointed out some of the big ones. Just a huge slate of games. Huge slate of games. Um, we start off early. Obviously, I'm rooting for Houston. I don't expect them to win against Oklahoma. Honestly, I, Oklahoma's my pick to win the national championship. Um, I just think that they've got an incredible backfield with Baker Mayfield at quarterback, Joe Mixon at running back, Sam, Samaje Perrine, who might be the best running back in the country. That'll be a great game. I'll be tuned into that. I'll also be tuned into Bowling Green and Ohio State for obvious reasons. Don't sleep on Missouri and West Virginia. I think that might be a great game as well. Um, hopping into the afternoon, LSU-Wisconsin. LSU, I think, is favored by 10 points in Wisconsin, against Wisconsin. I would take LSU and bet pretty heavily on that. I think that they'll easily cover that. I think that they're just a much better team. Um, another big game will be... UCLA, Texas A&M, that should be a lot of fun. Uh, see Josh Rosen in action. He will be the 2017 number one overall pick if he continues to play as well as he has as a freshman. Of course, there's always things to clean up um, for, for any young player or any player at all, really. Every player is going to have weaknesses. But um, I think he's going to, to have a great season as a true sophomore this year. Um, so that should be a really good game. Texas A&M games are really fun anyways because they don't play much defense, and their offense is usually pretty uh, explosive as well. The game of the afternoon, I like Georgia against North Carolina. There's nothing else on to compete with this. I'm telling you now, you're going to want to watch this game. This might be a barn burner um, with two um, excellent running games. You've got Elijah Hood on one side, uh, for North Carolina. On the other side, you've got Elijah Holyfield, who's a very talented freshman, as well as Nick Chubb, who's coming back from injury. You're going to want to see those guys. You're also going to want to see Georgia's five-star freshman quarterback. Um, I think his name is Jacob Eason, if I'm correct. I know I'm pumped to see him as well. I think that'll be a great game. And then obviously in the evening, we hit a couple of other big games. Um, I think Alabama's probably going to smash USC. But USC has a lot of talent that's going to make this interesting to watch for a little while. It's nothing against USC. I just think that they're coming from a place that's very difficult to compete with. You know, a team like Alabama, obviously Alabama's going to run that smash mouth football. And uh, for a team that's still recovering from a lack of uh, scholarships, that's going to be very difficult for them to, to overcome. And, and in fairness, for anyone to overcome. And then finally, the most notable one after that, just an hour later, it's going to be Clemson at Auburn. Obviously, I think Clemson is going to easily win this, and I think this is going to be the start of a Heisman campaign for Deshaun Watson. Uh, I'd like to see Deshaun Watson continue his development. I don't think he's uh, a franchise quarterback prospect, like a guaranteed one, I should say, at this point. Um, can he be one? I think so. But, you know, similar to Jared Goff last year, I think he's more like that Jared Goff class than like the Jameis Winston class, for example, um, which is to say, I think he'll be at worst average and probably at best above average, probably not like elite. Whereas Jameis Winston, I think has elite potential, um, just like the way he plays. And so I think Deshaun Watson's in that same mold. He's not really consistent enough, uh, but he's obviously still super young, uh, will be a true junior. He's bulked up a little bit. And I'm really excited to see what he's got. I'm going to be charting him, um, as well as a couple other quarterbacks this year, every single game. And um, you know, I'll have those to compare, just like we did last year. Um, so you guys can take a look at those. And obviously Sunday and Saturday, or Sunday and Monday, we're watching 
both of those games as well, Notre Dame, Texas, and Ole Miss, Florida State. So uh, it's it's going to be an awesome weekend, man. And it's nice that we have Sunday and Monday to kind of catch up from such a busy first few days in case there's anything that we miss. Absolutely. Um, I'll make I'll say this too about uh, a couple of the SECs you mentioned teams you mentioned, Georgia and Tennessee, um, you're right. It seems to be a lot of talk is that Tennessee is vastly overrated with that top 10 ranking. You know, obviously they're slapped at that because of you know, all the talent they have coming back, including Joshua Dobbs as quarterback. But I took a glance at Tennessee's schedule and Georgia's schedule and I can definitely see why people think Georgia could be a sleeper to win the SEC East over Tennessee. One reason is Georgia gets Tennessee at home on October 1st, and Georgia does not have to play Alabama. Well, neither team plays LSU, but Tennessee they do get Alabama at home, but they still have to play Alabama, whereas Georgia does not play Alabama at all this season. Um, their only road SEC games are Missouri, Ole Miss, South Carolina, and Kentucky. Florida, obviously, always the neutral site game in Jacksonville. Um, and then they've got Auburn at home. So, whereas Tennessee... You know, they've also got to go to South Carolina. They've got to go to Texas A&M. They close at Vanderbilt. Um, they've also got Florida at home. Florida's another top t- preseason top 25 team. So, at least on paper, looking at the two schedules, Tennessee does seem to have the tougher schedule. So, that's why Georgia can certainly surpass Tennessee in that division. So, and like I said, that October 1st game, definitely going to be key as far as that division goes. Um, Obviously, we expect Alabama to come out of the West. No surprise there. Um, But, yeah, like you said, just so much much good action to watch. Um, I'm with you. I'll probably watch Georgia, North Carolina, middle of the day, and then, obviously, USC, Alabama late. I'm really looking forward to that Monday night game, though, too, because I know there's a lot of people that think Florida State is a national title contender as well. I know there's some people that think that are actually picking the Seminoles to win the uh, the national championship. I'm just going to go quick. I'm going to check their schedule. Um, the big game, of course, is October 29th against Clemson, but Florida State's got them at home this year. But Clemson is coming off a bye, so that'll, that should be interesting. Um, I don't know. It should be, you know, at least with Florida State, I'm looking, obviously, Dalvin Cook's the guy to watch at running back. But, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting. There's definitely a lot of teams, you know, the top four right now are obviously all national title contenders. Um, I know there's, LSU's obviously going to be there. I know there's also people that think, UCLA is a sleeper. You know, we're talking about how Tennessee is overrated. You could say UCLA is underrated right now with a preseason number 16. Like you said, Josh Rosen very well could be the number one draft pick when he decides to declare. So, uh, you know, and going against a team that, like you said, doesn't play much defense, you'll certainly get a good chance to see his arm in action when he shreds that A&M defense. And then, of course, you know, the Big Ten teams are always in play. Ohio State starting at number six. Michigan at seven. Even Michigan State at 12. Uh, Big Ten's going to be fun to watch, I think. You know, I think all three of those teams definitely will be in contention. Michigan State does have the... does have kind of the advantage in that they get both Ohio State and Michigan at home. So that's obviously very huge for them. Whereas obviously Ohio State and Michigan play each other. That game's at Ohio State. So. I am surprised Ohio State's ranked so high. I mean, sixth just seems very um, 
optimistic as far as where they are and where they'll be. I mean, it's a very young team. Um, so I think the Big Ten will be all, kind of all over the place. I'm not really drinking the uh, the hype on Michigan. I think they're a good team. I don't know what's kind of made them so apparently like this top ten team from playing year the last couple games last year. I don't know if they're necessarily that much stronger um, this year. So it'll be interesting to see, but uh, that that makes it a wide open conference and that makes it fun. Obviously, the key for Michigan, they've got probably the best tight end in the conference and one of the best tight ends in the country in Jake Butt. So he'll definitely be a guy to watch, especially for all those NFL draft picks. I mean, I don't know how you have Butt right now ranked among tight ends as far as draft eligible, but I imagine for a lot of people he's up there right now going into this season. Oh yeah, man. I think he's, he's right there going to be with like OJ Howard and, um, Bucky Hodges and some other underclassmen. So, I mean, you could make an argument that he'd be number one or number two for sure. And I'm just looking at Michigan's schedule right now. They don't play a road game until October 8th. So, uh, they'll be nice and cozy at home. Six of their first seven games are at home. You know, they, they're not on the road till October 8th, and then they don't go on the road again till October 29th against Michigan State. They only play four road games. So, that's why I gotta love some of these power conference teams, I guess, and the way they make their schedule. And then, of course, you know, I'll be rooting for Penn State. They've got Kent State this week. And then they re- renew an old rivalry with Pittsburgh on September 10th. So that'll be fun to watch, and then September 17th, hopefully get some revenge on Temple. I'll say this, too, going back quick to Tennessee, I'm really looking forward to that game against Virginia Tech in Bristol. I think it's going to be so cool to see a NASCAR track transformed into a football field. I I can't wait to see that. And, uh, you know, you mentioned Bucky Hodges, so, you know, it's obviously going to be a game that Draft guys are going to watch because you got Hodges, one of the top tight ends. I'm sure people will be looking at Josh Dobbs over at Tennessee. So it'll be interesting. You know, I'm, there, there's definitely a couple ways. But like I said, just the fact that they're turning a NASCAR track into a football field, it, to me, is just so cool. And I can't wait to see that. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. And, and one thing to keep in mind, too, is there's going to be some teams that start out slow. We saw this last year with Michigan State. Um, you know, they lost to, to Oregon and, and obviously, um, the last two years, like how the, those two have played each other. Um, sometimes you'll have those big matchups early and just keep in mind with those matchups that, and we saw this with Ohio State, obviously with Virginia Tech, um, two years ago as well, where they bounced back. The, the progression of a team, and this is really going to go figure Penn State. Penn State fans listening to this, I know you guys are out there, so shout out to you guys. Um, enjoy Saquon Barkley when you got him. Um, but, and also those receivers, they have some really talented receivers too. I mean, I'm interested to see that freshman that people have been talking about. Um, anyways, the progression of a team, and this is really what I love about sports, is like you grow with the team, especially as a youthful team, which is kind of like I'm excited personally for like a young Ohio State team. Um, you know, we were loaded the last couple of years, but like seeing a team grow from freshman and sophomore to becoming experienced, really good players, possibly go on to the NFL. Um, that's, that's really what I love about this game. Um, the NFL is a little bit different. You can still have that affinity for players. Obviously you can have them for a lot longer. Um, but in college, I don't know what it is about college football, but it makes it so much more special at times. So. Um, don't be too discouraged if your team comes out slow out of the gate. Things can change quickly. Um, they just got to get hot at the right time. You need development at the right time of the year as well. So uh, just keep that in mind if you're a fan of a big team or if you're a very young team as well. Um, if you're like a big-name school, like, for example, Houston, if there's any Houston fans out there, we're probably going to lose against Oklahoma. And it's not that Houston's a bad team. If Houston loses, I don't think they should drop in the rankings. They should be expected to lose against a team like that. 
um, that's just that's credit to Oklahoma. And so, you know, it's a long season, and uh, buckle in because it's going to be fun. And that's why you know people will knock the ranking system of the college football playoff, but you know, obviously, the nice thing, and this was a nice thing about the BCS too. No matter how much we hated it, they don't do their rankings until midway through the season. They allow the teams to prove themselves over the first month and a half, settle in, and then we start to build the board and start to see who's putting themselves in position to uh, to play for the national title. Like you said, preseason rankings, it just makes for good storylines. We could sit here and say, oh, yeah, we have you know these top 25 matches. I mean, obviously, they're good teams on paper going in. That's why they're ranked, but you know we got to play it. I mean, look at last year. Auburn was, what, sixth preseason, I think? And then they barely squeak by Jacksonville State, and they stumbled a what six and six finish I think before the bowl game. Mm-hmm. So you, well, most of that too is because of how awful their quarterback play was. We all fell into the trap of uh, of Johnson, I believe his name was, and uh, we were fooled, plain and simple. But you know, so it, and but that's what makes college football so interesting, you know. There's always going to be those high-ranked teams that, that plummet. There's always going to be some team that comes out of nowhere, you know, that wasn't ranked in the top 25 that could climb into the ranks. I mean, Iowa was that team last year. Yep, yep. They're poised for another uh, big run this year, too. Um, if you look at Tony Pauline, um, he's a draft writer. Um, he's very well-connected. To the NFL, especially when it comes to like the draft and where guys are going to go drafted and whether they declare or not. He had a b- bunch of Iowa defensive players, uh, projected as draft picks here in the preseason. So he's, uh, uh, he's expecting big things from that unit. And I think the NFL is as well. So there you go. And, you know, Iowa's starting in the top 20, so they've got a good start. So we'll see. It should be interesting. Um, Definitely looking forward to it. Can't wait to get the college season started and kind of start. Todd say we're starting to prep for the NFL draft already too, but you know that's it's never too early. That's right. That's right. I mean, it, we start early. You know, I, I start looking at guys week one, and you start taking a notebook of kind of where they're at in their progression, mm-hmm. and then you're looking for improvement throughout the season, or you're looking through consistent level of play or um so it starts right then man i mean i'll be sitting here all day um enjoying life and with my laptop out actually i'll probably be on my uh, desktop so i can have a couple games going at once on that we just got a new desktop um nice yeah yeah really excited about that so it's been fantastic for watching football i can watch three games at once and still have like a little tab for like notes and stuff i'll probably do two at once three at once is like impossible <laughs> to really get like that third game oh, yeah. um so, <laughs> so i'll do two at once i'll probably watch ohio state and uh houston to start the day and then throughout the day i'll have a big game on and then also maybe like a smaller game where i'm just watching for one individual so um as far as like the scouting aspect it's a busy busy weekend um but hey i would have it no other way <laughs> absolutely absolutely um, I was just kind of quickly going through, you know, the first couple weeks of the college season, looking for some big matchups, and I just came across Ohio State, Oklahoma, in week three. I've also got Michigan State, Notre Dame that week. So there's there's some good games, you know. It's really this. That's the nice thing about what this college football playoff did as well. It's it's caused these power five teams to go out and schedule tougher games because they know if they win these games, it boosts their shot to make the playoffs, you know, especially yeah. if they're playing these higher teams, you know, like Ohio State, Oklahoma, for example. The winner of that game is really going to put themselves in the driver's seat uh, for one of those four spots. And speaking of the draft, we're getting word now, well, officially, it's been like unofficially official for the last few weeks. That sounds like it'll be officially official tomorrow that Philadelphia will host the NFL Draft in 2017, which means I am now starting to plan to be at the NFL Draft next next year. So my goal now is to be at the Senior Bowl in January, 
and have the NFL draft in April. Will it happen? Who knows? But right now, that's the goal, especially with the draft being in Philly. So it's you know just a couple hour drive for me. Yeah, man, I'm definitely hoping that you can. Um, the draft would be first off just an incredible um, opportunity. Second of all, and I definitely recommend if anyone can ever go to the Senior Bowl, you go from Sunday and you can leave after Wednesday. I highly recommend taking part. It is just an unreal um, environment for you to meet people, um, but also to uh, become comfortable with that type of setting. It's a very unique setting, and it's it's unlike anything else that you'll you, that we have access to, um, whether it be media people or whether it be um, just you know scout on Twitter, whatever you want to call yourself. Non-NFL personnel, I'll put it that way. This is the best access that we have. And I highly recommend anyone trying to make that trip, do it if you can. Um, if not, it's okay. It's understandable. It's a lot of money. you got to schedule it early. If you're going to rent a car, rent a car early. Uh, get your hotel taken care of early. Split rooms if you can. Um, it's going to be expensive to fly in there just because it's a... A local airport, you can always check surrounding airports, maybe drive in. Like if you can fly in like uh, Sunday morning, if you have to drive a couple hours to Mobile, that's perfectly fine. I usually miss the weigh-ins. I usually don't worry about the weigh-ins. Um, oh, but that's a good time to network, though, too. Usually a bunch of guys sit together and you meet people off the Internet and stuff like that. So uh, it, it, is a, it is a good opportunity, and I do hope that you can make it there. That's absolutely, bud. So fingers crossed. And with that, I think we'll wrap it up. You know, another solid group of topics I think we got in there. I mean, this this time sure goes by fast when we're just chatting it up, but uh, you know, I think that's a good place to stop. Uh, any final thoughts going into the this big football weekend? We'll say. Not really. I think uh, be ready. I'm I'm not really anticipating too many upsets. Um, I think it'll be a fairly chalk weekend. Um, but I am watching for Tennessee. I think that game's going to be a good one. I don't think they're going to lose, but I think Tennessee is going to start off this college football season the right way by giving themselves a heart attack. So <laughs> Appalachian, Appalachian State's nothing to to laugh at. I think they're a good team. That, that would be so Tennessee to do that, and it would. Prove all the, a lot of these media members right by saying, "Yep, we told you they were overrated." Yeah, we'll see though. We'll reconvene next week and discuss it, and we'll be getting ready for Week One of the NFL season. So with that, we thank you as always for listening. We really do appreciate the support. Uh, as always, you can hit us up on Twitter. Ian's at NFL Film Study. I'm at Bill underscore Rossetti. Thanks as always for listening, guys. Take care, and we'll see you next time right here on GG. Goodbye, my friends.